Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Welcome to Thailand Sunday. This is Marvin and Anna. They have been. Uh, <clears throat> do you want to give uh, an official Thailand greeting? Would you like to move from here to there so you can see us? Actually, yeah, why don't you guys move over? Because you're getting kind of their side. There's this whole section here. It's you, you have to give up your favorite corner section. Anna can interpret that for you. They, they want to see, see your faces. So... Um, while you guys are moving, uh, one thing that was interesting, I remember Marvin and Anna telling me, if, if I sat like this, that would be considered rude in Thailand because I'm pointing my toe. You're not supposed to point your toe. It's considered rude. Yeah, that's the lowest part of your body, and you don't touch anybody's oh, head because that's a... I'm using a mic and You I don't touch head. anybody's head because that's the most spiritual part. So if you touch somebody's head, that's a, a big no-no. You could get uh, in a lot of trouble. Really? You may not make it home that night. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those of you who don't know Marvin and Anna, they've been in Thailand for the last 27, well, yeah, this recent time. Yeah, since 1995, yeah. And they, they started a Bible school right from scratch. They pioneered it right from the very beginning. They, didn't, uh, they took something that wasn't there and they helped, with God's help, created it. It was interesting because at that time we were planting a big church. And um, so we kind of both were in the beginnings. And uh, it's hard to believe 27 years has gone by. And uh, so a lot's happened in those years. And, but the thing that I remember when we connected with Marvin and Anna way back then is like just I knew these guys are troopers. And I knew they would stick it through. And, like, what's the ratio of, of people that, like, when you went, the, in terms of, like, the percentage that are Christians in that nation? Oh, 1%, yeah. It's a 1% Christian in Thailand. Wow. So there's a tremendous need. And, um, and then to have, not just go and, uh, you know, preach Jesus, but to raise up people that will do the same. And so um, their Bible school has done that. But before we get into the Bible school and all of that, um, you know, Marvin and Anna are coming from, Marvin used to be a farmer and a mechanic, I think. I, I, I was a heavy-duty diesel mechanic in Alberta. Yeah, so that was what he came from. And uh, Anna just... I, I was a secretary and worked at the airport, actually, the Hamilton International Airport, as a private secretary. And I came off a dairy farm. So they just, you know, God calls you in the midst of other occupations and, you know. I guess I should confess I came off a fruit farm, vegetable farm, and a pig farm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But all those things they've used, and they've, you know, God uses everything that you come from, and, uh, you know, it helps you a lot of times with all the different things. But why don't you um, kind of share um, maybe, like, why you're there, you know, what, how God put that on your heart, and then, like, why the Bible school, and what do you feel like God's called you to do with that? Uh, we're there because we believe God called us there. <laughs> uh, so I guess I was there in 1986 for the first time, and I went with a friend from Grand Prairie, Alberta, to go with him. He had a ministry there. We had taken him to the airport in 1982 to start a children's home. And so we knew him quite well, and we kind of represented him a little bit up in our Grand Prairie, Alberta area. And uh, so I went over. He'd had <laughs> a heart attack or something like that. And so I went with him in 1986, right? In February, I think, of 1986. And when I was there with him, I was there for a month. I felt God speak to me to prepare myself to go back to do what, uh, to work in Thailand, to do what he called me to do for the purposes, whatever. But when I was born again, I felt, when I was 17, I had a, a sense on the inside of me that God had a destiny or a purpose for me or whatever, so goes all the way back to my salvation, Yeah, actually. Yeah. So, what, so the Bible school, like what are the things, like what is it that you're about? What are the main things? Your mission. I know it's like a four. Do you want, do you you want to, read to read it? Do you want me to read the mission? All right. We'll do that. And then we'll get into the stories and, and all the different things that have happened. There's so much that's gone on in 27 years. And... Uh, I didn't need these before I had 2020, but I don't have <laughs> any more. I could read fine print from long distance, but all right. So, I guess our mission or ministry statement is uh, Jeremiah 1:10, and it says, "Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow." And others you must build up and plant. In the lives of those we train, we have to uproot and tear down and destroy false beliefs. And this has to be done before we can build and plant. Is this all right if I share like this? Mm -hmm. Okay. And Matthew 24, uh, Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, uh, talks about the wise man in his house. It says, the wise man built his house on the rock. And we use the Word of God as the final authority in all things, right? The Word of God has to be the final authority. And the foolish man built his house on the sand. And we can't have a foundation of sand in our lives, can we? Because during the COVID-19, we saw anybody who had their foundation on, of sand, uh, their house came crashing down. And so there's no exception. Being a good person's not going to stop the storms of life, right? The rains come in torrents. The floods rise and the winds beat against the house and they pound that house. But the house that's built on the word of God stays standing, right? It does not collapse. We can trust the word of God from the beginning to the end. So Amen. we teach our students to be, uh, uh, to be totally dependent on the word of God. And so our, uh, the vision of impacting Asia Bible Institute Thailand is to raise up a people, you've heard this before, totally dedicated to Jesus Christ, <laughs> to tear down spiritual strongholds in the church and society, 
to lay a word-based foundation to commission equipped believers into victorious service for God and to spiritually influence Thailand, Southeast Asia, and the world. And so our goal is to have equipped believers go out. And so we have a three-year Bible school program to, to develop that. First two years are to deal with their character. Well, they're, that's when we deal with their character. And then uh, we use the same material that you use for the first two years, plus we've added some. And then third year is systematic theology and, uh, and along that kind of a line. And so we, we, we deal with their character and who they are as a person so that they'll be, when they go into ministry, they'll do more good than harm. Because some people go into ministry and they do more harm than good, you see. <laughs> and also a Bible school is one of the best places in the world to get full of pride. All right. So then we also have to deal with that because they, they get this knowledge of the Bible. And so we have to tell them the only reason why you know more than your friends back from where you came from is because you got to come to this Bible school, so you are to look up to these people. You're not to look down on anybody, right? So Bible school, if you're not careful, can smell like when you pull the lid off of a sewer. It can stink. <laughs> and so we have to learn humility when you're going to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't turn people off with your arrogance, right? Amen. Does that give you a basic idea? <laughs> No, no, you hold oh, the mic. Like, I, I hold the mic. I, okay. have, I, have the I thought you were going to take it from me now. I, <laughs> no, just kidding. Actually, um, maybe let Anna say something. <laughs> Actually, I want Anna, you to share about, uh, I can't pronounce her name. They, they... Our staff? Pornapa. And she, they, she, God brought her in at the very beginning, 27 years ago. Yeah, Pornapa, she's, uh, she's overseeing the Bible school now with our Thai staff. She came when she wasn't quite 17 years old, is that right? And she, you know, and she's in her 40s now, and she's been with us since, since all that time. And she, um, she didn't have opportunity, even though she's very smart, she didn't have opportunity to finish her education. So when she came to us, she had grade... I'm not... Anyway, she didn't have grade 12, I know that. And she simply because she did not have the opportunity to finish her education. And so while she was with us, she completed her education, her grade 12. We, um, and a university wow. as well. And we have them study online so they can, uh, that's one of our things at the Bible school. It's not just teaching the Bible school. They can finish their education because a lot of them are from the tribal villages. And uh, up there, it doesn't always go to grade 12. And so that's one of our courses that we have a staff oversee it that they can, uh, register with the Thai government and get their grade 12 and she has done that and she's done very well actually she's very competent and like such a blessing because um they've been able to like during the p pandemic they when they finally got here they haven't been able to go back for it's been how long well in august it'll be two years and she's run the whole thing there it has not missed a beat and they even navigated through all the lockdowns came up with creative ways of having, having classes, but they did not stop all the way through. Right. And our Bible school has been running continuously for 26 years, and uh, we've graduated more than actually 475 students, and we have more than 150 in full-time ministry, and we have a staff that keeps in contact with 375 over 
of our graduates every three to six months. We write letters of encouragement. Mm -hmm. So whether they're in full-time ministry or not, we still keep in contact with them. So why don't you share, um, like, one of the, I, I, I know the one young lady we were praying for who had started, I don't know if she's young, but she had started the church and there were death threats, and she's quite a trooper from the sounds of it. But maybe share her story of kind of where she came from. And uh, <clears throat> it, it doesn't have to be one or two. You know, if, if Marvin misses something, you can interject and vice versa. But yeah, I'll find it, her in here somewhere in this book. Probably more near the end here. Darren, there she is. You want to hold it? Just in case you might not approve <laughs> of something I say. Anyway, she was born in 1969. She entered Bible school at the age of 45. So and before. Before she came to Bible school, she had an alternative lifestyle, so we won't get into that, you know, but, and when she got saved and all that, she wanted to do something for God. She wanted to do something, she wanted to give her life for, for him, and God has uh, set her free from her previous lifestyle. She was a hairdresser, and uh, anyhow, she had come from southern Thailand, and in southern Thailand is the Muslim area of our country. We have 4% Muslim. And we have 93% Buddhist, 4% Muslim, 2% other, 1% Christian. And so she came from down in the southern area, but not right to the Malaysian border. And uh, she, uh, when she graduated, before she graduated, the year before, she said uh, that she wanted to go down south and work in this Muslim community. And... Uh, Anyhow, we've been down in that Muslim community in those areas, and we know what they're like. <laughs> Run for your life sometimes. But anyhow, she went down there, and uh, when they went to go to the, when she went to go into the village where that she was going to work, where the church was, it turned out that the pastor and his wife had been assassinated by the Muslims. And so <clears throat> she was given directions how to go and get to the church. So she went out on her own and uh, found the church because the people who actually were part of that organization weren't willing to go in there either. And she found the church and it was, and she opened it up and she started preaching every day at 10 in the morning, was it? Yeah. At 10 in the morning on the microphone to the whole village. See, this takes quite a bit of courage, right? What do you think? And uh, so she started preaching and then the next day there was a sign on the door, if you preach tomorrow, we're going to kill you. Uh, so she got and she preached anyways. And they put another sign on the door. If you keep preaching, we're going to kill you. And so she preached anyways. And then she also phoned up to her head office and said, hey, I'm getting scared here. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, Jan Pornipa talked to her because we were in Canada at the time. I think this was in 2019 or something like that. And, uh, or 18 maybe. And... Uh, so she said, well, you believe God called you there, so you just stay one more month. I know it's easy to say when you're not the one. And she said, you just stay one more month and trust God, because you told us for a whole year you felt God called you there. And uh, so she hung up the phone and said, okay, I'll do that. And then she phoned back a couple days later and said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm staying here. So one year later, she had uh, around 25 converts. Uh, and she's still alive and water baptized. 
two years later, she had over 50, right? I don't know where it's at right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm believing she's doing fine. And uh, God's uh, watched over her and kept her. Amen. But she was willing, she was so thankful for God delivering her out of an alternative type lifestyle that she really wanted to do something for God, something significant or whatever that she felt that God called her to do. And she was willing, so grateful to be delivered out of that lifestyle and which we've had, I don't know, many. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> and God has worked through her. Amen. 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 And we had another one delivered, not again. She was, with, she was delivered out of that kind of a lifestyle. She got saved when she was working in Korea, and then she, came, and then she ended up coming to our Bible school. She's actually planted five churches and has five men working under her, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. And that's, like, that's so, the gospel. That's right. It's People who the world lives. would discard in the past, mm-hmm. anyways. Uh, God uses in a powerful way when they submit their lives to him and they're grateful for what God has done. It doesn't mean that they sometimes struggle with things that I could never imagine in their minds, but God has set them free and they're walking on a free path and they're setting other people free. Amen. Amen. And when you get on this topic too much, we can get into trouble. (laughs) There's probably many stories. There's another one that we had, and his, uh, this will tell you how interesting things are, but, uh, okay, the guy who, who built the church in the South Mountain, Tuatchai, Tuatchai, and uh, his father was a drug dealer, and he was shot, and his sister was on staff with us. Before he was a drug dealer, he was a pastor, actually, not with us, but with another ministry, mm-hmm. and somehow he got caught up in the, he, of, of being a poor pastor, he started into drug smuggling. And uh, anyways, he was shot, and uh, his son came to Bible school, and his daughter, his, his sister had already come and was on staff with us, and uh, so when he was in Bible school, he was kind of an obnoxious fellow, right? Rough kind of a guy, and uh, as a matter of fact, one time he took all the mattresses in everybody in the room, 15 of them, and stacked them all up, and he slept on top of their mattress, and everybody had to sleep on their wooden bed. And I'm saying to Anna, we got to kick this guy out, you know. We can't keep him around because he's a, a real case, right? And uh, Anna says, well, just give him another chance, you know. And is what I thought. I thought maybe God has something for mm-hmm. him. And so I was being merciful. Yeah. One more time. <laughs> Anyways, and then he, uh, so he ended up graduating and then he went down to the south and he interned for about five years with a church in, not the very south, but south central Thailand. He interned and then he wanted to come back to his own people, which is a tribal group, and in this village where there was only a, one or two Christians. And there was nothing in there but a, a desire of that group in another place about four hours away to start something there, but nothing had ever got started. So he went there. And so there was no place for him to build, and he had no money to build. So there's a side of a, a mountain, not a rock mountain, but a dirt mountain, a big one. And he went every day with a shovel, and he dug for a year out the side of that mountain himself. And then he ended up 
getting connected with the Koreans, and they built a church there for them, because the Koreans like to build churches, right? They have a special thing they give where if you die, you'll get a special place in heaven if you uh, donate a church, money to build a church. I'm not sure that it really works, but it works as far as them donating money to build a church. <laughs> and so the Korean people will give a donation of money when they're very old to get a special spot. And uh, this isn't of all the denominations, but one of them, you know. And so then they'll build a church. And so they built this church for him there. And then he started a flower business to supplement on the side and everything like that. And now he owns half the valley. So <laughs> he has a children's ministry and a church going, and he has about 200 kids in, in this children's ministry, plus he has this flower business that's quite large, and he's bought up fairly large tracts of land, and he's not corrupt. Amen. He's doing, he's building the Amen. kingdom of God. Amen. 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 So it's just amazing, one seed, right, in a person's life, you just can have such a ripple effect, and, and you've seen that over and over and over again. And so, um, so kind of take us through, you know, like a day in Bible school, kind of what are the things that you kind of teach? I know you teach prayer and you, you, um, you know, you have a lot of disciplines that you're teaching them All and right. how so, important are those things? So they live on campus and for the about 15 years, maybe 20 years, would it be 20? We had around 60 students every year total, including first year, second year, and third year, and we usually take in at least 25 in first year, and you always get attrition. You know what that is, eh? Like when you go to university, people drop out. And so right. there's always a certain amount that drop out, right? Uh, some people say, well, they drop out of Bible school. Well, they drop out of university, you know? It's harder than I thought, more work than I thought. Right. So we always have to take in more than we'll go through, right? Is that the... Uh, yeah, and so... We were running around 60, and then we would graduate somewhere around 55. And the last little bit, is, it has dropped a bit during COVID and that. And, but on a Monday, uh, not a Monday, a regular morning, we have praise and worship from uh, 8 to 8.30, right? Praise and worship. And then we have a Bible study together, right? Uh, I know normally in a Bible school you might not, but we have a Bible study, and uh, that lasts about 15 minutes. And we all use and the... we go through different books of the Bible. Yeah. And then, then the classes start. And then in first year, it could be spiritual warfare, the same one that you took, but mm -hmm. only it's in a little different tongue than you took it mm -hmm. in. And uh, we have spiritual warfare, uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so for many of them, it's the first time, because our students are one-third Baptists, one-third Methodist and one-third Presbyterian and two-percent Pentecostal, and they all speak in tongues when they graduate, right? So, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> they know how to cast out devils, right? That's right. Okay. And so, that's one of our big goals is, is uh, and then we have, uh, so what, what would be some of the other subjects? Uh, foundational Christian Doctrine. Yeah, Foundational Christian Doctrine, Leadership 1, Leadership 2, what's the other one? I teach divine healing. Yeah, I teach faith. I teach some English classes, which is quite enjoyable as well. For the second years, I mean, I teach the Book of Romans, and uh, you know why? Because I like to teach things like uh, motivational gifts, and I did. When we first started, we pretty much taught everything because we had no teachers till he trained up the Thai 
students and now and Not become students. staff. Well, they were students and now they become staff and they're teaching the subjects and we still teach some. So he thought, so I was teaching like motivational gifts, you know, faith, subjects I really enjoy. And so he says, I think you need a bit of a change here. He says, you can teach a book of, Revel a book of Romans and book of Revelation. And I have for many years now, but I had to study, I tell you, because, um, yeah, I liked some of those other subjects at that time a lot more. So we teach subjects like that. Um, what about third year? Well, yeah, well, okay, third year is a total different thing altogether. We set that up. Matter of fact, I collected most of those subjects from the Baptists there, right? And uh, like uh, systematic theology. And uh, I'm trying to think, leadership uh, with Bob Beale, is that who it is? think so. And uh, the Pentateuch, that's the first five books of Moses. They go in it really deep, right? Thinking, thinking. I didn't bring my list. What are other so ones? So there's not as many subjects in third. No, because but they're textbooks. Have, they do the whole textbook. They do the whole textbook. And, 500 and pages. Then, and then why don't you share the other part of what you do in terms of outreaches and the markets, the evangelism aspect, because it's not just getting knowledge. No. It's now going out Right. And so another thing we do is we, a uh, uh, big emphasis is preaching. So in first year, because we're going to the market, that's why I'm telling them about this, mm -hmm. right? <clears throat> and so in first year, they learn how to preach a five-minute sermon first, and then we work it all the way up to, to they, they preach for 15 minutes, a one-point sermon in first year. And so that every uh, week, there's a preaching class uh, that runs for two, two periods. And uh, then when they get to second year, they learn how to preach a three-point sermon, right? And uh, with sub-points. No. And then they learn how to do unghedlepon, which is, which is unghedlepon in English. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so then as we teach, uh, it's like uh, defending the faith. We teach them how to defend the faith from the Bible. I'll think of the word. So you teach. You prove it from the Bible. And so that's the second semester of second year. Did, did they find the, what is it? Yeah, something like that. That's right. It, did they find the bones of Jesus Christ or whatever? And we use the Bible as a foundation, right? And, uh, and then in third year, we teach expository preaching. How to preach without boring everybody to death. No. And so we teach uh, expository preaching from the word. And, and make the Bible come alive and jump out and grab people. So if, even if sometimes I preach that in Canada and it grabs the pastor, he'll call me in his office after. But anyways, <laughs> no, but words that reach out and grab people and, uh, and challenge them in their faith. And so, we ha so then we believe in having the, the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have women that get up there and they're preaching. And we, so we believe in women. So our Bible school is known for turning out women preachers, right? Powerful women preachers who sweat when they're preaching, and the power of God comes on them. And, and, right? Amen. And you have to understand these are quiet, shy, tired women and yeah. men, and they are like powerful. Like, and, yeah, and so we teach them how to preach. You look with power. and you're like, what? We've seen some videos. Right. And, yeah. right. and so. When they, so they preach the word of God. Then, when, when they've learned how to preach, then we have them preaching in the marketplace. So we go on to the markets. We used to go every two weeks, right? But now with a lockdown, that's not possible. So we would go to the marketplace. These are open markets where they have food and flies, right? 
But anyways, and, uh, <laughs> you, and they have meat hanging, but they have these little, little motors twirling with rags or something tied on to shoo the flies off. And so we go in there, and we, we line up, and we try to stay out of their way, because my dad was a market gardener and fruit farmer, and my grandfather was a pig farmer on the same farm. But, uh, so I know that they don't want anybody in the way when they're selling their vegetables. So we try to stay out of their way and then buy some vegetables and fruit when we're done. And so then we sing two songs and we preach for five minutes. Sing two songs and preach. So everybody has to get up and preach at the marketplace. And uh, five minutes. Not ten minutes because we already learned from experience ten minutes will lose the attention of the people. Mm -hmm. Right. Right, and so... And then also you do um, uh, evangelism to the schools. On the road, yeah. In, in, in the schools. Yeah, in the public schools. I know You've, some of your guys have been We had this. a team that taught them drama and different dramas you can take into. You know, Lisa's here, she went. And, right, and so we would go into the public schools and uh, uh, preach the gospel. But so we, they're we, allowed we, to preach the gospel. Yeah, we know. have freedom of religion in Thailand. Okay, because they're not afraid of us because we're only 1%. What can we do? So, yeah, so we... So they have entire school assemblies, hundreds of Yeah, kids, so we've had schools with a thousand kids. And they preach the gospel. And we're doing a, a two-hour program. We put it together. And if a team would come from Canada from... We had a team come twice or what? From Barrie or once? Yeah. And, and so we would put the thing together. We'd spend a whole day piecing our part and their part together at this and then we travel out to the schools and I, I would sign a contract with the schools ahead of time I'd go there two months earlier get permission and I'd tell them you know we're going to go uh, whatever 50-50 or something right or something I forget what I told them now so but and then we would just do a little bit more gospel than we would teaching uh, the other thing but we would teach a little bit of English but in the end, we'd give an altar call, and there would be, say, a school of 1,000. There might be, like, 25. See, for there, that's good. Mm -hmm. Zero response is common or whatever. But we get, we get 25 people uh, make a decision uh, for Christ. I remember one time we had a girl. I don't know if she was from Barry or not. She started to talk about how she was molested by her father. And this school had, like, 1,000 or 950 kids. And she is saying, and I'm thinking, dear God, save us all, you know? <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Where's the back door out? But she starts telling how her father molested her as a child, or maybe did even more than just molest her. But was it she from you? I'm not sure. I don't know. I know it wasn't your daughter. No, I'm just kidding. No. But, uh, I don't have a daughter. I know. You don't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't joke like that. I'm sorry. She was from Kingston. Okay, it was the Kingston team from third day. Yeah. And uh, so she started... Sharing, I, I'm sorry for making that joke. I joke too much. And so, you know, I didn't used to joke at all. I used to be a very serious person, but life got so tough, I had to do something, right? I had to learn to laugh. That's the honest of God truth. Yeah. And uh, so she starts sharing about how her father had molested her and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there sweating, right, thinking, this was not my program, you know. And what's the outcome going to be? So after it's all over, the principal comes to me, the vice principal, and says to me, we want you to rent a place in this community and set up in here and help our people because there's a lot of incest in this village. See? See how wrong I was? 
<laughs> at that time. And so God was leading her by the Holy Spirit. And they were inviting us to set up an outreach center in their community. Amen. 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 That's how God works. There's so many stories. Um, why don't you share maybe about, because I know you go to the different villages. I've heard some of the stories of uh, just the ride to the village and to the mountain villages. It's extremely dangerous. And Well, like I know when we go and visit our graduates, I try to visit them uh, possibly every two years or so. And uh, sometimes when you're riding up, it's hard to imagine, okay, I have to admit that I'm terrified too, all right? And I'm driving, all right? And you could be like two feet from the edge of a mountain, and it's hundreds of feet down, right? One time we were up in the mountains doing evangelism, and our truck slid off the side of the road. Our big truck, it's an army truck style, and it slid off and it slid around. So it's a six wheel truck, you know, the big front straight axle and everything. It's in a Zuzu, and NPR, a Zuzu, and the back end slid right out and was hanging over the edge of the mountain. The students were in there with their backpacks, and I was driving, and the engine brake came on, and it was wet there. And so the people, and then it started teetering to go over the mountain, and it was down hundreds of feet. And so the other people jumped out of the other trucks, and they grabbed the front of the truck so it wouldn't uh, go over. It was starting to go, and they grabbed it before it went, I never took any pictures. I said, there'll be no pictures to remember this. But <laughs> I said, we'll never remember this ever happened. But I guess I do. But anyhow, so what I had to do was I had to climb along the side of the truck all the way around to the edge and then oh over, and hang over the mountain myself. I was a little lighter then, you know, but, uh, and, I, and I walked around. I didn't walk around. I hung on like this because that whole back axle was hanging over. And it's sitting right on the frame of the truck. It's sitting on the edge of the road. And then I went around, and then I started taking the backpacks out. And the student's saying, are these backpacks? I'm thinking, they're thinking, they're crying. They're quietly, <laughs> you know. And I think, what are you crying for? I, I didn't think that, really. And uh, they're crying, silently sobbing tears. And, and I'd say, this backpack, I took it out, and I handed it around to somebody, another backpack, another, the water bottles, and I took out all, everything else. Because if I had taken them out as, first, we would have flipped the truck over, right? And then gradually we uh, got everything out and we got everybody out and then we managed to pull the truck back on the road. And, uh, that was, and after that, there was no more uh, evangelism during those months of the year when it was raining <laughs> in the mountains. <laughs> we started evangelizing in the Thai cities, the small cities. Wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, scary day, right? <laughs> and I, I remember when we, ha we were going on evangelism, and we traveled sometimes over 2,000 kilometers one way, and we do up to 30 meetings. And we took all our third years with us and our staff, and there would be 40. We'd bring all the children with us, too, because we believed it was a family affair, right? And we, we would be on the road, and we'd do meetings at churches in the evening and during, at schools during the day. And... Uh, this one year, we're going to do the evangelism, and our government had been overthrown. We had a coup, right? Presently, right now, our president, he used to be an army general, but uh, he, uh, oh, they overthrew the government about eight years ago, 
And then he said, we're going to turn the country back over just and uh, let you have it normally. But then he appointed himself prime minister and has been since, right? So this kind of coup overthrowing is kind of normal in our country. Mm -hmm. So there had been a coup. And so we sent out a fax to the army. Would they give us permission to travel and do our evangelism? Because you weren't allowed to have any more, was it, six people in a car at a time? Or you'd be considered as a, a rebellious group? So... They gave us permission, lo and behold, you know. So they said you have to be within five days of these places. And we, had, we were traveling long haul stretches. In between each province, there's 76 provinces. We didn't go through them all. But there's a border crossing, and there's people there with machine guns. And so we'd come to each one. I'd have to jump down out of the truck. I'd have machine guns on me. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. And I, then I'd hand them the papers. They'd read the papers, and they'd see that they were official from Bangkok, from the head, and then they'd let us continue. Well, we came into this one village where one of our graduates had planted a church. And this village is 950 kilometers from the Bible school because we travel there to teach at his Bible school now. And uh, so, well, during the day, some of our guys went into town, including some of our foreign staff, which are Canadians, and they were arrested by the police. And the police and the army don't get along. And so here they are, they're arrested by the police. So I went to the police station with the papers. And when I showed it to the police captain, the papers, their permission to travel, and he saw it, he started shaking, eh? He'd arrested us, our, half of our team. And then he released them. And then he came that night and apologized at the church for arresting them. Because the army and the police aren't friends. Is that, you know how... how when the army's in power, the police go into hiding, you know, kind of thing, whatever. And uh, along that kind of a line. And, you know, God's really been... It's, it was an exciting ride. Sometimes we'd be on the road traveling, uh, doing evangelism, and we loved it. Anna was there, too, you know, country girl, whatever. And sometimes we would maybe not make it to our destination because one of our interpreters gave us the wrong uh, road to travel. So we'd stop in a gas station, throw up hammocks, sleep in the gas station. We'd be sleeping on our sleeping... Right out by the washrooms, you know. Those were the fun <laughs> days, man. <laughs> and so one thing about with, uh, I know with Marvin and Anna, um, just for those who are wondering, like, um, in terms of, you know, if, if you're wanting to sow into a ministry, the one thing that I, I know that they do is they make the most of every dollar. There's a lot of waste. There can be a lot of waste in a lot of ministries. And um, I know they make it stretch. And, like, Marvin does a lot of, like, repairs on a lot of their vehicles and has made them run for years longer than I think they should. Oh, we have a 1991. <laughs> and, and just, like, they've went through how many floods? You've had to do repairs on your, and, and you've yeah. got people. And so when we have a flood, it's usually a meter around a meter deep, which is three feet, right? Like, you should see the pictures. They're walking in. And so, like, one time we had three floods the same year, and usually we don't have a flood, it's about every seven years, it seems. I don't know what that's about, but that we figured it out. <coughs> and so we, but that year we may have three floods during that year. So we had some in July and August and September. And so we were behind in our, uh, in our subjects. And so second year classrooms outside. So the students are sitting at the desk and the water's up to a foot deep. <laughs> It's and they're still doing it. We're still teaching them. Then the water came. They had to sit on top of their desks, and the water was two feet deep. And we're still teaching them outside. 
And because uh, we had to get our time in, right? We didn't want to miss anything of our classes. <laughs> and some of the desks, and then when they went, all the desks started floating across the yard. <laughs> and we never sent them home during the flood. We kept them there upstairs. And sometimes during the flood, we would, uh, it's, it, floods are a devastating thing <laughs> in reality. And uh, we would use great wash basins and stuff. And we'd go to the market and float them to the market, put the food in the thing and float the food back again from the market. We'd get to a dry, like the market would be in higher ground than we were. And we would float the food back. And so we kept everybody there and we kept them uh, safe. Mm-hmm. We were afraid to send them home because of all the torrents of the water and stuff. So we just tried to make the most of our time. Yeah, well, that's what you gotta do. And, and, go ahead. So now, uh, like, there's so many things we can cover, but one thing I want to cover before we wrap up is um, the uh, where you're at right now, because you've you've got status to be able to start your. Yeah, yeah, we have our own foundation with the right to. Yeah, to speak. Our, yeah, so we have our own foundation, which and, is a big which thing we've had for a long in time, Thailand since 2002. I think we've had it, and. Uh, now, recently, or whatever it was, maybe 10 years ago, recent to us, uh, we had the permission now to build uh, a, a, whatever, a legal whatever school system or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, to build, yeah. And you have the freedom to be able to do that. And right establish now, we're, it completely. Right. And we're looking to, to build, we're, we have, we're in rented facilities that we've been in for 27 years, which is good to be there that long. But they want $3 million Canadian for it, right? And we don't have to, to buy it. Yeah, to buy yeah. it. So where they're at right now, and, and, the, and the goal, I, I know part of the goal we've talked, but is to be able to get a place with land where they can be self-sufficient and farm the land and, yeah. and be self-sustaining um, is, is And try to get more, not totally, but... Right, but, but yeah, to help. a major part, yeah. And also we teach our staff how to repair stuff, right? We also teach them how to... If, you, if you're going to teach the Bible, then you also have to work with your hands 20% of the time. That's in order to get your heads out of the cloud, right? And uh, <laughs> so everybody has to be able to, to do something physically of our staff, right? And so our staff have to be willing, if they're going to be on staff, to work 20% of the time with their hands fixing and doing things and yeah, stuff like do. that. And they do. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's a... And they learn how or whatever. Because, yeah, people get the, the thing of the, the high almighty whatever. Uh, yeah. At least we run into that here in Canada. That might never happen amongst, you know. You know, there is no high and mighty in Canada, right? <laughs> so what, so what, are we, what are you looking at in terms of possibly, like, if for land, what are you looking at, like, cost-wise? So, Just give us kind of a... Like, right now, we don't really know where the prices are at. But before, I think, we, they, we were looking at 250000 to buy about five acres or something like that. But that was, like, ten years ago. And uh, I don't know where things are at now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the next thing is to to try to put things in the way that the people that are there will be able to run it when we're not there. So we have to gear it not towards who we are, right. but to who they are. And so for building, um, what are you looking at? Like if it was to, to build roughly, what are you thinking? If you well, the buildings kind of... over there are cheaper. Land is actually more expensive there than it is in Canada. But the buildings are cheaper to build over there okay. by quite a bit because they're brick 
brick and mortar, right. and there's no insulation or anything mm -hmm. like that. Okay. And uh, so if we can get the land, then teams can come over and help actually mm -hmm. put up the buildings and stuff. Okay. So what? So that's an area we can pray for, and, and whatever God puts in our heart for that. What else could we pray for? What other areas um, you, you would you say? We pray for our staff. We pray for our students. Pray for us. We're planning to go back in the middle of June to the end of June. They're working on our visas right now in Thailand. We have to get new visas, and so we can pray about that. And then we have to get our tickets, and then mm -hmm. yeah, you prepare could, you, to go. Maybe you could help us buy airplane tickets to go back. Hey, man. <laughs> Do you hear God speaking to you? <laughs> Anyhow. So, so there's different ways that you can give. They do have a table back there with all yeah, kinds of right. uh, information. And so there's a way you can do it through your website. You can also give through the church here. We, we've been different ones. We'll mark it on their, their giving. And we, once a month, put it in with our giving. And so it can be done that way as well. But, um, and then you can get updates of different things you send out as well. Um, I know um, there's been a lot of different things to navigate through, and uh, it, you know, that's the one good thing about being connected, you know, and, and standing together is, right. you know, you, you can pray for one another, you can stand with one another and work things through, because life brings all kinds of things. And sometimes you're wondering, am I kind of wacky in my head with what I'm thinking now? And when you start talking to someone else, it's like, no, you're wacky too. Hey, we're, <laughs> we, no, no, if you are wacky, they'll say, hey, maybe this is a little off, right? And they can help straighten you out. But uh, it's just been a blessing to be able to be connected with you and to see yeah. what God's done there. And well, we appreciate the connection ourselves and the financial and the prayer. Yeah, since the beginning. And I hope you don't mind my joking too much, because one lady said to me one time, you can't be a missionary, you joke around too much. But uh, <laughs> here, I have a list of what we're going to do when we go back. When we return to Thailand uh, in June, between the 15th and the 30th, uh, we plan to have our graduation, and it has been every year held in March, uh, ever since the beginning. And this will be the first time it's going to actually be held in... July. So they're waiting, holding off for us to come back. I told them don't do that, but they said, well, there's a COVID outbreak and everything like that too, and we want to. So that's where we plan to have our graduation. Then we plan to encourage our staff and students, right? And uh, then we plan to help them in areas wherever that they need help. And we plan to look for land and relocate the Bible school out in the countryside. We plan to visit our graduates on location in their places of ministry wherever that may be in Thailand, in the north, the south, the east, and the west. And, uh, and that could be like even up to 1,500 kilometers away, maybe even 2,000. And uh, then we plan to, we also have had Laotian graduates from Laos, and that's a communist country. But we won't tell you how all that transpired, but they graduated and everything. And so we have Laotian graduates in the country of Laos, and wherever that they are located, we plan to visit them. But we have to be a little bit low-key, because in Laos, if you give out a track as a foreigner, you can do two years in prison, right? Wow. So, and we can get them in trouble too. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, then in the future, we plan to spend six months in Thailand and six months in Canada. This time we'll have to stay longer. Normally we spend 10 months of every year in Thailand for the last 25 years, 10 months. And, uh, and maybe we pick up some Thai ways and all that that don't correspond with Canadian ways sometimes. And uh, anyhow, so we plan to be there in October, November, December, and January, February, and March in Thailand. And uh, this is our second semester. And our first semester is uh, May, June, July, August, and September. And so during that time, we'll be raising funds. And we'll be, we're setting up an office between up near Ottawa, it's in the Ottawa Valley, and uh, uh, whatever. And uh, that's, that's our plans. And so when we're there in October, we'll be able to go on the evangelism trips and the Christmas evangelism trips. And we'll be able to be there for the graduation. Wow. And yeah, that's pretty much our major short-term plans, right? Or whatever, for this year. Oh, we get oh yeah, right. I keep wanting to give it back to you. Well, why don't we, uh, I'm just trying to think, is there something you want to? Or maybe you want to ask questions. Yes, actually, that is a good thing. Um, if someone feels like the call to missions or like feels like that's always been on your heart, um, if you would pray for them, if, if you want to have prayer, I, we'd like to be able to close with, with that. I, I mean, we'll pray as well, but anyone that would want, um, yeah, if we can maybe have some background music, it would be good. But um, because, you know, like Marvin and Nana just obeyed the call and it wasn't like everything was like mapped out for them and they they had to plow through and take the steps and they made it they made it work and uh you know they're just very practical people and it's like okay this is the next step this is the next step and if that you feel that call or you feel that 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 god's put something on your heart there let them pray with you because they've had breakthrough in this area and they can they can pray for you in this area because the world needs Jesus and God puts it on people's hearts and a lot of times we hold back because of fear or different things but there's more that God wants to do and um, what would you say is one of your um, like looking back because you've obeyed the call like any regrets no there's things that we wished we had done differently right that's with any yeah you're learning but uh, no, obeying the call and uh, like it's a privilege to work for God. And yeah, there's been some difficult things in that. But uh, no, it's worth it. Serving God, if that's what He's, you have to do whatever God's called you to do, whether it be missions or whatever it is, mm -hmm. truck driver or a plumber or whatever, you got to do your best at whatever He's called you to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to have perseverance to push through the relatives and whatever that they have to say or people who will come against what you're doing is and uh, yeah you have to be know that it's God right mm -hmm. I went because I didn't want to disappoint God I went I was obedient because I he saved me he set me free and I just wanted to do what he wanted me to do and I was willing to pay whatever price that uh, was necessary but I'm not saying that it's easy but uh, God always sees you through if it's his work then he'll Amen. always see it through he will 
And God does need uh, missionaries and people to go out for him, but you also have to be able to stick with what he's called you to do. And uh, don't veer off on something, another, stay in your own lane that God's called you into or whatever. Because right. it's easy to get into something else or lots of missionaries end up in different things than God mm -hmm. called them to do and they're not fruitful at it. Mm -hmm. I should say lots, some. Mm -hmm. And with God's vision is God's provision. Like Marvin, we were just talking about this before we came because we were touching base a bit before. Two years they've been here. They haven't been able to go back. They've, their finances have continued. Yeah. And they haven't even been able to go to churches and raise finances for a majority of the time you've just started. Yeah. And, and the Bible schools continued. All the people have stepped up. All their leaders have stepped up to the plate. And they haven't missed a beat. They've continued. And so that's God's faithfulness. You know, when you obey the call, he... he his provision is there. So for the next steps, we, we know that, that that building, that permanent place is, is so important so that that can continue when you're gone. But um, so let's just close with just for God to, that we would be faithful to the call that he's given us. And if, if you feel that call for missions, Marvin and would love to pray with you. Um, but again, all of us, there's a call. God's given every one of us something to give away. We, we, we can't die with it inside of us. We, we have to give it out. If you don't give it out, it's wasted. So, God, we just, we thank you for the call. We thank you, first of all, for Marvin and Anna and their lives, and we bless them. And we bless the work that you've called them to do, God. We thank you for their faithfulness to that call. We thank you for your for your faithfulness to them in that call. We're, 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 we rejoice with them, God, in your faithfulness. And we, we ask, God, that you would help each of us to be obedient to the call that you've placed on our lives, to those things that you've put on our hearts, to those things that, that you have given us to do, those gifts you put inside of us. Help us to give those away help put us in the right place in the in the right church body to be able to give those things away help us to establish those things that you've called us to do we just we commit those things to you and god we thank you that ultimately in the end it's that souls would come to know you and their lives would be changed for eternity that they would become like you and that they would honor you with the rest of their lives. So God, we ask that you would just do that work in each one of us. Cause us to be faithful. Thank you, Lord. Did you want to pray anything? I just want to say one thing first is that the main thing is you just Every day, just keep doing what God called you to do, and you just keep one step, and that, and just keep going and going, mm -hmm. and then that's how you end up being long term. Is yeah. you just don't quit what God's called you to do. Amen. Okay, I can pray. 
Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that you're a great and a powerful God. You're the creator of heaven and earth. Father God, and you created each person in here with a destiny and a purpose in their lives. And Father, the saddest thing that can ever happen is to live and to die and never fulfill that calling. Whatever that purpose may be, whatever that you have is unique to everybody. And Father, I just pray, Father, for their calling, their purposes to be fulfilled on this earth. Father God, that they will complete and that they will use all those giftings that you have placed on the inside of them. They will fulfill the purpose that you have placed them on this earth for in Jesus' name. And Father, for those who feel called to missions, Father God, Father, I pray you to work in their hearts, Father God, and Father, they will lay down their lives. Father, they will lay down anything, Father, that comes in their path, Father God, in order to fulfill what you've called them to do. And, Father, they'll be able to take your gospel to the ends of the earth, wherever that you want them to take it to, Father God. And, Father, we just pray for your power. Father, Father, we know that we can only operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything that we do in ourselves will never last long term. It's only when the presence and the power of God is there that things will last long term. And so, Father, I just pray, Father, for everyone to come to know you in an intimate and in a powerful way, that they can walk in their calling, Father God, and be led by your Spirit to do whatever it is that you have for them to do. We just bless everybody here tonight, Father, and we thank you for them, for them coming tonight to hear about Thailand, Father. And Father, we just pray they'll go home tonight, Father, and that you'll have put something in their heart, Father God. They'll know that you're the faithful God. You're the God that reigns from generation to generation, Amen. and his, your word yes. will never die. Yes. And you, we will, Father God, fulfill whatever it is Father, that you have for us. We just ask, Father, your blessing on each one tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.